in a series called Ridiculous that we kicked off last week. If you missed the message last week, please, 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 please be sure to get on our YouTube channel and to watch the message. It was such a foundational message last Sunday. You say, Pastor, where did you get this whole thought of ridiculous? Well, when David was getting ready to go fight Goliath, he was talking to King Saul and he said, I'll go fight him. And King Saul said back to David, do not be ridiculous. Don't you be ridiculous in the New Living Translation. But David had ridiculous faith and God used him in a big way because he stepped out in ridiculous faith. And we believe that God has called us as a church and for you as an individual to step out in big faith to do some ridiculous things for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what this series is all about. I have a friend of mine who has bought me some gifts, and I like receiving gifts. Anybody else like to receive gifts? I, I love to give gifts, but hey, I don't mind receiving some gifts. And, and this friend of mine bought me a pair of tennis shoes, expensive, nice shoes. I mean, they were, they were amazing shoes, but they were too small. And I didn't have the heart to tell him, man, I can't wear these shoes, and so I just put them in the closet, never warm, because I knew he wanted to bless me. He was trying to please me. He was trying to make me happy, but I couldn't wear them shoes. It just make my toes hurt, so I just left them in the closet. And that same friend of mine bought me another pair of nice tennis shoes, and except this time, I put on the shoes, and they hurt my back. Like, ah, man. Anybody like me, I will try to figure out what store you bought that at. Because I will try to take it back. Who knows what I'm talking about? You know, how come on? Now, some of y'all are bold. Some of y'all will get a gift and say, hey, can I get the gift receipt? You know what I'm saying? Because I, <laughs> I know I don't like I know you're trying to please me. I know you're trying to make me happy. But I know I may not like what you got. And so I'm just going to be ready to take it back and to get what I know I like. And, and when it comes to God, a lot of people want to please God, but they're not. When it comes to our relationship with God, there are some people that think that they are pleasing God. They actually think, they think, I'm pleasing God. What I'm doing is pleasing God, but they're really not pleasing God. Here's what the scripture says that we have to dive into today. I want to help you on your big faith journey. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, and without faith, it is impossible. Everybody shout, impossible. Come on, let me get a few people on the chat line just to write the word impossible, impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It's impossible to please God without faith. Church, that's really strong. That's strong language. You cannot please your heavenly father with out faith. You can come to church every single week and still not please God if you don't come to church in faith. You can read your Bible every day and not still not please God if you don't read your Bible by faith. You can tithe, give to in the miracle offering, give to dream builders and still not please God if you don't give by faith. You can pray every day and still not please God if you don't pray by faith. The only way you please God is to live a life of faith. 
James chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 says, But ask in faith, never doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. If you're going to please God, you have to ask in faith, give in faith, worship in faith, pray in faith, and live in faith. I love what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 21 and verse 21. It says, Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, and God wants you to have faith instead of doubt, big faith in a big God. He says, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. People who live by faith don't just talk to their mountain, they speak to their mountain. Mountain be gone in the name of Jesus. And the question is, do you have mountain moving faith? Do you have a faith that pleases God? Or do you have a faulty faith? A faith that you think is working, but it's like a bad phone charger. Uh, you plug it into your phone, plug it into the wall, go to bed, wake up the next morning, and the thing's about dead because the phone charger didn't work properly. And that's how some people's faith works. It's faulty faith. It's not, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. It's, it's not effective. It doesn't produce results. And some of you have a fresh faith. Romans 12 and verse 3 says, each one is given a measure of faith. When you and I give our life to Jesus Christ, we receive a measure of faith. And the question is this, is your measure of faith growing or is it shrinking? You see, a lot of people, they, they have this measure of faith. They have baby faith. They have little faith, but their faith is not growing. Their faith is not effective. They don't even know how to use their faith. It's like getting a new phone or a new television, some new gadget, some new electronic toy that you get. And, and the electronic gadget has so many features, but you don't know how to work them. And so you got the phone, you got the TV, you got the gadget, but you don't know how to use it. And that's how a lot of people are. They got baby faith. They got little faith. They got a measure of faith, but they don't even know how to use their faith to produce results. You've got, you've got faulty faith. You've got fresh faith. And then you've got fake faith. And there are some people that talk big faith, but don't live big faith. It's like somebody that says, I know how to play basketball. I'm a good basketball player. You know somebody like that? I'm good. I can, I can ball. I can play. And they got the sneakers and the shorts and the shirt. And I got a wristband. I got a headband. And can't shoot a, worth a lick. Can't make a bucket. Just talk, and that's what some people are like in their faith. They, they just talk, but, but it's fake faith. It doesn't produce any results, and then you have fading faith. And, and some of you fall in this category. You used to live by faith, but the older you got or the more money you got or you got the house or you got the spouse, and, and you just stop living by faith. You're, you're living reasonable now. You're living by logic now. And there are some people that have a fading faith. They used to have big faith in God, but their faith has been fading. And God wants you and I to have a flourishing faith, a faith that is growing, a faith that is thriving, a faith that is active, a faith that is moving forward. 
James chapter 2 and verse 17 says, In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Everybody shout, dead. Yeah, yeah, faith without action is dead. Flourishing faith is a forward-moving faith. It's always accompanied by action. And the question today is, is your faith accompanied by action? Or do you have a dead faith? A faulty faith? A fresh faith? A fake faith? A fading faith? Or today, do you have the kind of faith that God wants you to have? A flourishing faith that is thriving, that is active, that is full of action, that is moving forward. And here's what I want to do today. I want to show you what moving forward faith looks like, what faith accompanied with action looks like. Number one is this, you move forward afraid. You move forward afraid. Faith isn't the absence of fear. Faith is moving forward in spite of your fear. And today I want us to look quickly at the life of Moses. And I want to unpack some faith truths to help you today on how to have faith that moves forward. You see, Moses moved forward afraid. If you're not familiar with the story, God told Moses to go back to Egypt. Moses had killed a man. He, he fled. He was in Midian. He was there for 40 years. And God says, I want you to go back to Egypt and I want you to deliver the people of Israel. They've been in slavery for 400 years. Go back and bring them out of captivity. And Moses was afraid. Y'all, Moses was scared. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? He's talking to God. The, the Lord, what if they say the Lord did not appear to you? Exodus chapter 4 verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor, in, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Moses says, I can't even talk, God. I can't go back to Egypt. Exodus chapter 4, verse 13, Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. Moses was afraid and gave God every excuse in the book. But what I love about Moses is that Moses moved forward afraid. People with big faith are not people who do not have fear. People with big faith have just learned to move forward in spite of their fear. Church, you cannot let your, your fear be bigger than your faith. I think about my life. Every big step of faith that God's called me to take. I've always had fear. It wasn't because I had an absence of fear. Fear was always prevalent. I just moved forward in faith in spite of my fear. I think about when I moved at the age of 18 to the state of Arkansas on a football scholarship to go play college ball. I was so afraid to leave my hometown. Little we woke up. I never lived anywhere else, and, and here I am moving out of state by myself. I was scared. I was afraid, but I moved by faith. 
And then I remember my freshman year of college when God was speaking to me about full-time vocational ministry. And God was speaking to my heart about walking away from my uh, college football scholarship to, to go get a biblical studies degree, to go get some more education in the Bible so that I could teach the Word of God the rest of my life. And I was so scared. My, 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 my family thought I was crazy. Are you crazy? You're going to leave a full football scholarship? But I knew what God was calling me to do. And I was afraid, but I left that scholarship by faith and long story short, God provided me another scholarship, but that's a whole nother story. I didn't know that at the time. I left afraid. When I went off to college, this new college, I started, I started preaching. God started opening up doors, and students at the school start saying, hey, my dad pastors the church in California. My dad pastors the church in New York. I want to get, I want to see if you'll have that, they'll have you come and preach. And I was like, oh, Lord, go to California, preach. I want if California looks like we woke up. And I didn't know. And I went afraid. And then I was graduating from college, and, and Tiffany and I were, were, were now going to get married. And, and can I tell you, I got married afraid. Oh, God, God, I know y'all big heroes, y'all tough. I was scared. I was scared when I got married. And then I was going to launch this full-time traveling ministry. I thought, I don't know if I can launch this traveling ministry. I don't know because every church, I don't know how much I'm going to get paid until I'm there and I'm done. And I'm going to have this new wife. I'm going to have this rent payment. I'm going to have car. I don't know. I don't know if I could do this. I'm just going to take a youth pastor job so I can have a secure salary. But I knew that's not what God was calling me to do. Herbert, I want you to step out in faith. And I stepped out in faith not knowing what my salary would be from week to week. But God provided. But I was afraid as I I stepped out in faith. At 26 and at age 24, I was 26, Tiffany was 24, we sold our home in Missouri and we moved to Oklahoma afraid. We didn't know how to do this church thing. We just moved afraid. Every time, even when we bought this 50 acres I'm preaching on right now, we bought this 50 acres. I was about 28, 29 years old. We were afraid. Every time we launched a new campus, Midwest City, Northwest, Indianapolis, Maple Bass, I've always done it afraid. What I want you to understand, if you're facing fear today, don't let your fear be bigger than your faith. Faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is moving forward in spite of your fear. Move forward afraid. Number two is this, you move forward when it's risky. Obeying God and moving forward in faith is risky. Just ask Moses. He fled Egypt 40 years earlier because he had killed an Egyptian. And now God is asking Moses, go back to Egypt where you're wanted for murder. And I don't do I want you to go back where you're wanted for murder. I want you to go talk to Pharaoh and confront him and tell him to let my people go. Hello, God? You sure? That's a bit risky. You know, 40 years old, I killed a man. God, you now, now, you, now God, you know Pharaoh, now he might kill me. God, God are you sure you want me to do that? Moses has to be thinking, God, this is risky. This is ridiculous faith, but that's what faith is. Faith is always risky. Faith is always a little ridiculous when you start following and obeying the voice of God. I think about moving to Oklahoma City, 26 and 24, in 2002. To start a church called People's Church. An interracial couple coming to Oklahoma, start a church. Sure, it's gonna work. And you're starting in a movie theater. Yeah, that God ought to move there. 
It, it was risky. It was risky. Starting Indianapolis, I'll never forget starting our first out-of-state live preaching campus. Are you, you crazy? You think Pastor Chris is going to run away with the church? Is it going to really work? It was, it's, all, it's always been risky. Moving forward in faith is always risky. That's faith is following God and you got to have God come through because it's faith in God, not faith in Herbert, not faith in Tiffany. If God doesn't show up, faith in God is risky. Number three is this, you move forward without all the details. Moses obeyed God, and he moved forward without all the details. Think about this. Mo Moses went back to Egypt with no timetable. Like, God, are you going to deliver them like in 10 days? 15? He, he had no timetable. He didn't know exactly how God was going to deliver the nation of Egypt. It was ridiculous for him to go back to Egypt, confront Pharaoh without all the details. And when he does go back and he confronts Pharaoh, the unexpected happens to him. Notice this in Exodus chapter 5 and verse number 20. It says, as they left Pharaoh's court, this is Moses and Aaron, they confronted, they, they confronted Moses and Aaron, the Israelites, who were waiting outside for them. The foreman said to them, may the Lord judge and punish you for making us stink before Pharaoh and his officials. You have put a sword into their hands and an and excuse to kill us. Then Moses went back to the Lord and protested, Lord, why have you brought all this trouble on our own people? Lord, why did you send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he has been even more brutal to your people, and you have done nothing to rescue them. Get the picture, church. After Moses confronted Pharaoh, Pharaoh decided to make life much harder on the Jewish people. I mean, he just turned up the work, turned up the heat on them, and now the Jewish people are mad at Moses. They want God to punish Moses. What in the world are you doing to us, Moses, confronting Pharaoh like this? And Moses has to be thinking, God, before I left Midian, why didn't you give me these details? Why didn't you tell me? Pharaoh was going to do that. And God's thinking, because if I would have told you, you wouldn't have went. <laughs> he never gives us all the details. Because if you have all the details, that's not faith. Joseph had a dream at 17 years old that he was going to be a powerful leader. He was going to one day rule over his family. And he had a dream from God, but he had no details. He didn't know when it was going to happen. He didn't know how it was going to happen. He didn't know he was going to be sold into slavery. He didn't know he was going to be falsely accused. He had no details, but just a dream from God and faith. David was anointed to be the next king of Israel. He was promised by the prophet that you're going to be the next king. And now he's an anointed to be king. He, the, the Spirit of God is coming on him to be the king of, of, of Israel. He's been promised he's going to be king, and now he's right back out there being a shepherd boy with the sheep with no details of how the dream was going to come to pass. I think about Abraham. God says, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. You and Sarah are going to have a promised 
child. I'm going to build a lineage through you and Sarah and this child. He had no details. He didn't know how God was going to do it. Matter of fact, the Bible says this in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 about Abraham. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. What? Like, God, you want me to leave home and my house and my people? Where are we going? I'll show you. Come on now, God. Like, show, give me something right now. Is it going to be city or rule? How's the weather where you're taking me? I mean, come on, God, give me some details. Is there at least a Walmart, a Target, Starbucks? I mean, can you give me any details? And, and, and he left without no details. People who have a flourishing faith that please God, they move forward without all the details. I think about my life. Every step of faith, I've never had all the details, and I understand why. Number one is because that's not faith if I have all the details. Number two, if I knew all the details, I wouldn't follow God because I would like, I don't like some of that stuff. I've never had all the details. When Tiffany and I moved to Oklahoma City in, in 2002, we didn't know where we were going to start the church. You mean you moved here without the details? Yeah, we didn't know. We didn't have the details. Did I have any people? Had a few relatives that lived here, but didn't, didn't, didn't know no details. We moved into a little hotel, no details, no details. Because following God, he never gives you all the details. The righteous man steps, Psalm 37, 23, are ordered of the Lord. The righteous man, the righteous woman steps. Let me tell you something about your God. When you step out in faith, if you'll follow God by faith, he'll always show you the next step. The reason some of you are not making progress is because you're not taking the next step. You keep saying, God, show me three steps down the road. Show me ten steps down the road. Show me. God says, no, 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 that's not how I work. Moses, go back to Pharaoh and confront him. That's your next step. And then once you do that, I'll show you what's next. But I'll never show you 10 steps down the road until you start taking some steps. And some of you today, you're stuck with no steps. you got to start stepping to see the promise of God come to pass. You can't stay stuck. you got to step. Don't stay stuck. you got to step. Don't stay stuck. you got to step. And then God will always show you the next step. Faith requires moving forward without all the details. Number four is this. You move forward when it does not make sense. Moses moved forward, and it did not all make sense. Think about this. The people had been in slavery for 400 years by a powerful nation, Egypt. And God comes to Moses through a burning bush and says, I want you to go back to Egypt and to confront Pharaoh. Who, who are you sending with me, God? Take your family. You want me to go to one of the most powerful nations, one of the most powerful leaders, and confront him without an army. You want me to deliver the people, and you, don't, you haven't given me any bazookas. God, your plan, your plan to send little old me with my stuttering problem does not make 
any sense at all. And then you're going to bring us to, through a red, to a Red Sea, and we're going to walk on the Red Sea, through the Red Sea on dry ground. God, that makes no sense at all. And then you're going to take us in the middle of a desert where there is no food and there is no water, and you're going to provide for us in the middle of the desert. Oh, yeah, sure, God, you're going to rain down some manna. Yeah, we're sure, sure, sure you're going to give water out of a rock. Yeah, it makes no sense at all. And then when we finally get to the promised land, there's walls around the city of Jericho, and you you want us to march around the walls for seven days and then blow the trumpet. And the walls are going to fall down. Yeah, God, right. Makes no sense at all. And people who have ridiculous faith move forward when things don't make sense. People's church, are you ready to move forward in faith so that you can please God? I know everything doesn't make sense. There's a pandemic, but you're going to move forward in faith. Gas prices are high. Come on, somebody. But we're moving forward in faith. You have personal problems. It doesn't even make sense, but you're moving forward in faith. You've had some setbacks, but you're moving forward in faith. 2021 has been a challenging year for you, but you're moving forward in faith. You're looking around at your circumstances and situations, and everything does not make sense, but you're moving forward in faith. People who have ridiculous faith and see God do big things through their life, they move forward even when everything doesn't make sense sense. It's always been that way. It's always been that way. Throughout the Bible, when you read it, in my life, in my journey, it's always been that way. Herbert and Tiffany, I want you to stop your traveling ministry. You're in your mid-twenties, and, and I've blessed you, and what you prayed for, I've given you, and you're scheduled out 18 months to two years in advance, and you're going to the largest events and the largest churches, and I've opened up doors, and, and I want you to, like, God, this makes no sense. And move to Oklahoma City and start a church. And there was not these organ. That's why I'm so passionate. There was not an ark where they, we give people money to help their dream come to pass. There was no CMN that we give, we give planters money. There was none of that. And I started a church. God, this doesn't make sense. And, and how do we finance it? And, well, you're going to use your traveling ministry money to finance it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to take a salary for a year. You're going to keep traveling. And Tiffany's going to get a teaching job. Thank you, baby, for getting that teaching job. <laughs> so we could eat. It makes sense. And the second year, you're not taking a salary. You're going to give all of the thousands and thousands of dollars that you saved up. You're going to give it to start this church. It all makes sense. And I'm so glad that with my logistical, common sense life approach, that I didn't allow reasonable to cause me not to walk by faith. 
because I'm logistical and I'm a planner and I dot my I's and cross my T's, but I knew God was calling us to make a step of faith and it does not all make sense. It does not all add up. It is crazy to give this kind of money for this church. It does not make sense, but I know God is in it and we step out in faith and people who see God move in big, crazy ways, they learn to move forward when everything doesn't make sense. Praise pastor, I'm trying to help you today. You got to move forward. When everything doesn't make sense. Number five is this. Number five is this. You move forward in spite of your inadequacies. You move forward in spite of your inadequacies. People who have faith that pleases God, they realize God doesn't use them because of them. God uses them in spite of them. God always selects and uses people who are inadequate. God always uses people who seem like they don't have what it takes. God always uses the, un, the, the, the unlikely. God, God always, that's who God uses. Moses was a murderer who had a stuttering problem. Sarah was too old to have a baby, 90 years old. Caleb was too old to take the promised land. He was 85 years old. David was too young to fight Goliath somewhere between the age of 13 and 18 years old. David messed up too bad to be the king of Israel. He had an affair and was a murderer. Jacob was a liar and a deceiver. Joseph was abused by his own family and was falsely accused. Gideon was scared and was the weakest in his family and clan. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. Rahab was a prostitute. Peter had an anger problem and denied Christ three times. Paul persecuted the church. The disciples fell asleep on Jesus. Martha was worried about everything. Zacchaeus was too small. Timothy had an ulcer. The Samaritan Samaritan woman was divorced five times and Lazarus was dead. Don't you tell me that God can't use your life. Don't you tell me that God can't do big through you. Don't you tell me that God can't use the unlikely. Don't tell me that God can't use those who messed up. God wants to do big through your life. Stop disqualifying yourself and say, God, I'm available. God, I'm ready to move forward in faith. Move forward, move forward, move forward. That's exactly what we're doing as a church. We're moving forward in faith to see more changed lives. Come on. The devil tried to stop God's plan. He would love for us not to move forward. COVID happened. We couldn't launch the, the, the campus, the Edmond campus in 2020. We weren't able to launch the campus in 2021. But come on, our promise has been delayed, but it will not be de de denied. And we will start the Edmond campus. We're starting it in August of 2022. Come on, somebody give God some praise. Come on, Midwest City. Come on, Northwest. Come on, Indianapolis. Come on, Mabel Bassett. Come on, online. We're moving forward in faith to see more changed lives. We have 23 acres in Edmond under contract. Where, Pastor? I'm going to tell you today. Check out this video.
somebody ought to give God. Oh, you can do better than that. Come on. Give God some praise that his church is moving forward to see more changed lives. Hallelujah. Don't miss this historic moment. It's historic. November the 14th. This is historic. We're going to have our first ever church-wide prayer service at the land. Here it goes. 3.30 p.m. We're going to all meet there next Sunday after services at 3.30. And we're going to pray over this land. Come on, we're going to claim that land for souls, for life change. November the 14th, 3.30 p.m. We'll meet at the land. Pastor, I would love some more details about what we're doing uh, at the campus, what we're doing in Edmond, what's happening. Well, when you leave out today, you're going to get a brochure. Big Faith, Big Future Vision brochure. It has a word for me in there and my lovely wife, Tiffany. And, and then you'll see the Big Faith, Big Future projects that we're doing. The Edmond Land, you'll see it in the brochure when you get it. It's $2 million. Actually, it's $2,075,000. And you'll get that. I would love to pay cash for that land before we close in January. I, I really would. Edmond Campus Launch is 400000 Actually, it's more than that. It's 700000 But can I thank you, church, that in 2019, you gave $300,000 for the Edmond Campus that's still set aside to get equipment and to move that campus forward. But an additional 400000 for the Edmond Campus Launch that's in there. Missions. We're a big missions-giving church. We're just, we, we believe in missions, local, national, international. We, you'll see that in here. And then at the Oklahoma City campus, we have a parking lot problem. We have underground springs that are underneath our parking lot. That's what's causing our problems with our parking lot. That's in here, this a phase two of 500,000. And you'll see information on that. And, and there's a story in here. And then why Edmond? We have over 800 families that call People's Church home that live in the Edmond area. They're going to be able to invite their friends and family to church. And so you'll see all that in the brochure and then you'll see a commitment card let me say this to all of our guests that are new with us today please feel no obligation at all our gift is that you're here that's the gift to us thank you for being here as a first-time guest but you are a part of a church today that's full of vision to see more changed lives and when you get this commitment card some of you got it last week some of you weren't here last week and you'll get the card today I'm going to ask you, would you pray over this card? And first of all, would you become a consistent tither? That's the first step. And today, I want to encourage somebody. Would you move forward by faith? Today, take the step. Take the step. I can remember when I gave my life to Jesus at 17. I've been a tither, my wife and I. Ever since I've been a Christian, I just took that step of faith. Do, do Move forward by faith. Move forward by faith and become a tither. 10% of your income back to the local church where you worship. And then number two, here's the second thing, next steps, is pray and ask God what he would have you give during the next 12 months to Dream Builders. Your Dream Builders dollars help accelerate the vision of the church. It's how we're able to purchase land and start campuses and do all the missions things that we do all around the world. Your giving over and above your tithe helps accelerate the vision of the church. You really determine the speed in which we can go as a church by your generosity. And then third of all, would you submit your Dream Builders card either in person on November the 21st or before or online you can submit the card and would you let us know that you're all in pastor I'm all in on the vision you can count on me and my family to be generous to the Lord and then last but not least on December the 5th is our miracle offering 
And when you give in the miracle offering, this is a one-time offering that goes toward fulfilling your dream builder's commitment. Some people fulfill their entire dream builder's commitment in the miracle offering that day on December the 5th, they'll give everything. Some will give half of what they've committed. Some will give 75%. Some will give 25% of their, of their dream builder's commitment. But that day, we bring our very best offering, Miracle Sunday, to accelerate the vision of the church to see more changed lives. And church, I'm so excited. Here's what I know. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me. I've seen God do so much. Don't you tell me that he can do it. When people respond in big faith to a big God.